Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 6. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Now when I read these chapters, I don't know about you, but when I read these chapters or these verses, I feel like I'm reading a Western. We have four riders, a white horse, a red horse, a black horse, and a pale horse. And they, if you will, they are riding into town. But it isn't Clint Eastwood, and it isn't John Wayne, and it's not James Arness, and it isn't the good, the bad, and the ugly. When I read these, these verses, it's more like the bad, the ugly, and the ugliest. I mean, it says this is awful stuff here. Now, before we jump in, let me just encourage you to get your pen out because you're going to need it this morning and your pad. Before we jump right into these seals, I want to make two quick observations. First of all, number one, it is very important to note that the scene that takes place on earth originates in heaven. Note that what is happening on earth originates in in heaven. Remember, as I said, Jesus takes the scroll, opens the seal, the angel is dispatched, and the result is the rider appears on the scene. So what takes place on earth originates in heaven. And secondly, because they originate in heaven, these events are not an accident. What you see happening on earth is not accidental. They are not haphazard or random events. These are purposeful, planned events. There is a purpose in all of this. What's happening on earth is no accident. God is behind it. God is orchestrating the whole scene. God is completely and totally, unequivocally in charge. We sang about it. For you are in control. God is always in control. Amen? God never, ever, no, not ever does he lose control. And that's important for you to understand. As you look at these seals and these judgments, it is God who is behind the scenes orchestrating the whole event. Now, the first seal is broken in verses 1 and 2. Keep in mind, as I said, the church is in heaven, chapter 4 and 5. And the first thing that happens is a man on a white horse comes. And that man, notice, has a bow in his hand and a crown on his head. And he went out conquering and to conquer. This man, with a bow in his hand and a crown on his head, went out to conquer and to and conquering. Now, who is this writer on the white horse. Commentators, scholars, many believe that this man on the white horse is the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. 
Many commentators, many very good scholars believe that this man is Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is riding on a white horse. And we always think the guy that's riding a white horse and wearing white must be the good guy. And the guy who's riding the black horse and wearing black, well, he must be the bad guy. And so many scholars believe that this guy riding the white horse is Jesus Christ. I don't think so. And let me tell you why. Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 16, we have it on the screen for you. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes like flame of fire, and on his head, note, were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called, what? The Word of God. What's his name? The Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white robes. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of the Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, say it with me, King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, chapter 19 of Revelation is clearly who? Jesus. Very good. And that's a clear description of Jesus Christ. You might remember from chapter 1. Remember in chapter 1, John described Jesus as the faithful and true witness. Again in chapter 1, John described Jesus as the one with eyes like a flame of fire. And that's Jesus in the Gospel of John. John described Jesus as the Word of God. The robe dipped in blood speaks of his death on Calvary's cross. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that everyone is going to bow to him and declare that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, what I want to do for you this morning is to draw some contrast. I want you to see a contrast between the one who is riding the white horse in Revelation chapter 6 and the one we just read about, Jesus Christ, in Revelation chapter 19. In chapter 19, Jesus is wearing many crowns. Now, that Greek word for crowns is diadem. The diadem. It speaks of a sovereign ruler's crown. He's wearing a diadem. The crown of a ruler. The crown of a true king. In Revelation chapter 6, the crown is not the diadem, it is the stephanos. It's a different word for crown. It is the stephanos, and it speaks of a laurel wreath, like what you see in your history books, like Caesar or some of those other guys in your history books or throughout history, some of these princes and kings, they would wear a plaited crown of wreath around their head. So the crown in Revelation chapter 19 is diadem. The crown in Revelation chapter 6 is a different crown. It's Stephanos, speaking of a, loyal, a laurel wreath. In Revelation 19, Jesus comes with a sword. In Revelation chapter 6, 
the rider comes with a bow in his hand. Ephesians 6 calls it the flaming arrow of the wicked one. In Revelation 19, the church comes back with Jesus. In Revelation chapter 6, the rider comes with war and famine and death following behind. So the rider in Revelation 6, I do not believe, is our Lord Jesus Christ. Then who is he? He is, I believe, the Antichrist. He is a false Christ. He is a counterfeit Christ. The Antichrist. Now the world is even today looking for the rider on the white horse. The world is looking for today someone who will bring peace. Even the Jews today are looking for the rider on the white horse. You see, after the rapture happens, the world will even look harder for this rider. Consider this scenario, if you will. The rapture happens. The rapture takes place. The world is going to be in a state of panic and shock and chaos. See, we have to understand that when the rapture takes place, the Bible says that all Christians, all born-again believers, if you are a born-again Christian, when the rapture happens, you will be violently snatched away. Immediately, you are gone. And all members of the church, the church being worldwide, the church being every nation, every tongue, every tribe, every people, people in Europe, people in Asia. The church is made up of all of God's people around the world, not just the church at Calvary Chapel Apex. You knew that, say amen. That's the whole church. Every, every, God, you can stay with me here. Every born-again believer at the time of the rapture will leave the planet. And at that point, at that time, there will be chaos, there will be panic, there will be shock, people will be rioting and looting and robbing, and the police department will be short of men to help, because there are many police officers who are born-again Christians. There, the fire department will be short of firemen to help because there are many firemen who are born-again Christians. It will be crazy on the earth when all the Christians are raptured. Boom, gone. Millions upon millions of people vanished. Yep, that's what the Bible says. And at that time, the world will be looking for answers. The Antichrist will appear, and he will have some answers. He will have some solutions, which will bring men together. And he will solve the major problems in the world between the Israelis and the Arabs. Hmm, sound familiar? He will be the one who solved this problem. Now, Daniel chapter 9, you've got to read that in your own time. I don't have time to go over it with you. But write it down, look it up later. The Antichrist will make a covenant with Israel. The Bible's very clear about this. When I, when I see MSNBC and CNN, and they're telling me about what's going on in Israel and giving me the scenario of the world events, you know what I think? I think right on. Jesus is coming soon. Amen. It, it, look, all this stuff is already written down. Why are we so shocked? 
We already know. We know. We know. We know. We know. All we have to do is look at the news and we think, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, Daniel chapter 9 told us that, man, when the Antichrist comes, he's going to make a covenant with Israel. He's going to make a seven-year peace treaty. And the whole world will applaud this man. The whole world will welcome him. He will be the man. He's going to bring peace between the Israelis and the Palestinians. The whole world will welcome him. He will be the man of the hour. And they're looking for this man, someone to solve the problems in Jerusalem. Even today, get on a plane, I challenge you. Get on a plane, LL, airline, fly you into Tel Aviv, get off the plane, and the first Jew you see, walk up to him and ask him, how will you know the Messiah? And they will say to you, they will say to you, I bet you lunch. They will say to you, the one who helps us to rebuild our temple. That's how they will know. That's what they will tell you. The one who will help us to rebuild our temple. Now, Daniel chapter 8, verses 23 through 25, speaking of this man, the Antichrist, this false Christ, this counterfeit Christ, in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, a king shall arise having fierce features, who understands evil stuff, sinister things, sinister schemes. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. You see, this Antichrist is going to be empowered by the devil himself. He shall destroy fearfully and shall prosper and thrive. He shall destroy the mighty, also the holy people. And note this. This is, how, this is very important. This is how he will destroy through his cunning. He shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule. He shall exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in their prosperity. He shall even rise against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without human means. Did you note this? He will destroy not by military might, not in this first seal. He will destroy with deceit. He will destroy many by being deceitful. He will conquer as a peace broker and a peace maker. He won't do it by military might. That's the next scene. That's the next seal. But initially, he's going to deceive people and make them believe that he is the man of the hour who can bring peace, who can solve the problems of the world. The world will applaud him deceitful. While he is making peace, he is planning war. Now, come on, Rodney. Is that possible? Can that happen? Give me a break. Come on, man. Look, it won't be the first time it happened. Neville or Neville Chamberlain the Prime Minister of Britain a year before World War II started, he met with Hitler and had a peace agreement. 
Hitler continually spoke of peace all the while he was preparing for attack and war. Fact. And this is exactly what the Antichrist will do. He will come in the name of peace while he is preparing for war. And notice it says the one riding on the white horse is conquering and will conquer through deceit, not through military might. This guy will be a smooth operator. He will speak smooth words, words like butter, and deceive many. Someone once said he will have the charisma of JFK, the oral skills of Winston Churchill, the determination of Joseph Stalin, the vision of Karl Marx, the respectability of Gandhi, the military prowess of Douglas MacArthur, and the charm of Will Rogers. He is going to appear to be the real deal, but in the middle of the tribulation, he is going to set up an image of himself. The Bible is very clear about these things. He will set up an image of himself in the temple. And Jesus said, when you see that, speaking to the Jew, he said, when you see the Antichrist set up an image of himself, this is the ultimate blasphemy, to set up an image of yourself in the temple of God. Jesus said, listen, Mr. and Mrs. Jew, when you see that, it is called the abomination of desolation or the abomination which causes desolation because when they see that Jesus says run run like the dickens get out get to the mountain of Petra because we got problems that's how you're gonna know that he is a counterfeit when the people see that he say breaks his treaty in the middle of the tribulation he sets his image up the people recoil and at that point they know that he is a counterfeit you see the Bible says if Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not. You know, if you don't receive Jesus Christ, you will receive the Antichrist. Fact. You don't receive Jesus, then you receive the Antichrist. And that is what the people had to look forward to. But Jesus was more than loving and more than kind when he told them, when you see these things happening, he says, know that my coming is near. Interesting. This man is going to be a deceiver. So the opening of the first seal signals the arrival of the Antichrist. The second seal we find in verses 3 and 4. The second seal was opened, John sees, note, a fiery red horse that went out. And the one who sat on the horse was given power not to bring peace. Did you get that? This one was given power not to bring peace, but to take peace from the earth. Interesting. Now, red. Red is the color of war and bloodshed. So with the opening of the second seal, there's going to be wars and bloodshed upon the earth. So the peace that the Antichrist bargained for, he will later take from the earth. And notice he was given a great sword. A great sword was given to him. The Antichrist has traded his bow for a great sword and with power and brute strength. He will wield that sword and lead armies to war and people will be killing each other. It will be global anarchy and war. Slaughter. Unbelievable. We've known from history the L.A. riots. 
and what is going on in Sri Lanka. The murders and the killings that are taking place there, brutal murders around the world. But when this seal is broken and when this seal is opened, there will be no peace on the earth whatsoever. Now, you can lock your front door. More often than not, you lock your front door at night and 99.9% chance you'll wake up in the morning and you'll still have all your stuff. 99.9% you'll wake up in the morning and your family will still be intact. Your people will be still living. There will be nothing catastrophic that happened overnight. There is a level of peace that we are experiencing today. Why? Because the church is still here. Because we, the body of Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, we are still here and we are restraining full-on anarchy, global slaughter. The church is currently restraining that. But when the church is removed in the rapture, and the Bible says that could come at any time, you need to be ready. When the church is removed, then all hell breaks loose. And then... The earth will experience, you know, people say, oh man, this earth is hell. It's awful living here. It's just, oh, this world is awful. It's just awful. It's hell. Listen, you haven't seen anything yet. This is nothing. This is wonderful. We can still, you know, depending on where you live. I mean, if you, when you live in Apex or you live in the hood, I mean, you can still experience a level of peace in our culture. But when the church is raptured, I should hope you're not here. Because then it will be all out war. Notice the sword speaks of military conquest. Now we don't know, scholars don't know exactly what this sword is. Some scholars believe that the sword here speaks of nuclear warfare. Some believe it speaks of biological warfare or weapons of mass destruction and devastation. We don't know, but what we do know is that it is full-blown war. And because it's war, you are looking for food and ways to survive, and this global anarchy sets the stage for the appearance of the third horse. Notice famine in verses 5 and 6. Now, after many have been killed by the red horse who has brought mass destruction, the black horse brings great famine in the land. Following a war, and especially a war where atomic weapons are used, it will create a terrible famine on the earth. Normally, a day's wage or denarius would buy 10 quarts of wheat, 30 quarts of barley. But during the famine, you'll only get one quart of wheat and three quarts of barley. Be an awful famine. It'll take a whole day's wage just to buy a quart of wheat. The average man would have to work full time just to get enough food for himself, not for his family. Just enough food for himself. That doesn't include, you know, necessities, other necessities. Just the food. Just the wheat. And then get this. It doesn't include maybe the coals or what you're going to need in order to make something out of the wheat. It doesn't include that at all. Just the wheat. It's going to be an awful, awful time of famine upon the earth. But notice, as I pointed out earlier, did you note, don't hurt or harm the oil and the wine? Then that speaks of luxury, as I said. The rich of the world seem to continue to get richer, even during the times of war and famine. They will still have money and wealth, and yet even that will only last and be a resource 
for a while because the Bible says, fast forward to chapter 13, the Bible says that man will not be able to buy nor sell unless they take the mark of the beast. So even the rich will have their day. Interesting. First comes the politics, then power, then war, then famine. During the opening of this third seal, it's going to be so economically oppressive. It's going to be a ration of food. A ration of food. I was surprised to find out these statistics, some facts concerning world hunger. Listen to this. It'll probably blow you away. Today, half the children in the world go to bed hungry. Interesting. Half the children of preschool age are so severely undernourished that they will suffer physical or mental retardation. 10,000 people die today of starvation. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.